God. The last several weeks, about four weeks now, we've had a couple attending our church and um, had the pleasure of meeting them just recently, Paul and Denise McKenzie. And um, about Monday around lunchtime, I received a phone call that Paul McKenzie had passed away. Um, I want you as a church family, church body, you know, it's, it's tough having just met him. But sometimes your first impressions say more about someone than a lifetime of knowing who they are and knowing about them. And um, every encounter, every interaction, every conversation I had with Paul was incredible. I'll never forget. He, he heard me speak at the uh, Rediscover conference with, with Jerry Ann over at New Covenant Church. Many of you were there. And, um, in fact, Paul and Denise opened, uh, played worship before my session that Saturday morning. And um, he's playing guitar, and she was playing the keys and singing. And uh, then I got up to minister, and the very next Sunday, that was a Saturday morning, the very next Sunday, he came. they were right back here, or came through here. And they had been one other time, but they had never heard me preach. It was Pastor Earl that ministered that, that day. <clears throat> and, um, and he came through, and I was standing right by the door when they came in, and I said, Paul, what are you doing over here? He said, man, that was so good. Yesterday we had to come back and hear some more. And they came every week since. That was about four weeks ago. And um, he was just with us Sunday. Sat right there about where James is right now. And um, uh, tragic, painful. It's a loss. Um, But in the kingdom of God, we're the only ones that get to celebrate death. You realize that? That is what we get to do and we're not going to let the enemy steal that and we can celebrate death because it's not a life lost it's just a life transitioned he's still alive when you fully understand the spirit of a man uh, we've lost the shell we've lost the flesh suit and that's difficult but we know this that one day we will see him again and when we see him again we will never experience this separation again This is the last time we'll ever feel this. So uh, I want to take a moment and just lift up Denise and the family. I want you all to continue to just be lifting them up. I believe services will be held Saturday. And, um, you know, this will be a tough process, especially when it happens tragically. He was literally working up to the minute he passed, uh, doing what he loves to do. So, Father, we lift up the Mackenzies to you right now in your mighty name of Jesus. And we thank you, Father, that you do what you do best. You do what only you can do. And by your Holy Spirit, you'll bring overwhelming peace and comfort to Denise, to the brothers and sisters, to the grandchildren, to everyone impacted by Paul's life, impacted and influenced by a great man. And Father, life is the greatest commodity we have in this planet. We don't place enough value upon it until we lose it. Father, we value the life that you gave Paul. We value all that he was able to accomplish by your power and by your grace and by your mercy. Father, we are extremely thankful and grateful that he knew you. And now he is with you. 
Paul reminded us that to be absent from the body means to be present with the Lord. We know that he is with you rejoicing in a heavenly place. And um, we just thank you right now that you bring peace and comfort to Denise and to everyone closely related to Paul. Over these next several days, Father, I thank you that you'll just drop words within her spirit and you'll create divine conversations and divine interactions, text messages, phone calls, Facebook messages and comments and, 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 and just any little thing that by your spirit you can just continue to remind her that you are with her. We may have lost a life, but we never lose you. You'll never forsake us. You'll never leave us. And in this moment, this is where you get to do your best work. We thank you, Father, that you will work in her life. We will remember Paul for everything he was and everything he did by your power. And we give you glory and praise that you will do a great and mighty work through this. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you will, go with me to Romans chapter 4. I'm thankful for the Holy Spirit. I'm actually teaching a class on the Holy Spirit right now in Kingdom Institute every weekend. And he is the most misunderstood person in this planet, currently in this planet. Jesus is the most misunderstood person that was on this planet. And the Holy Spirit is the most misunderstood person that is in the planet. Uh, And they both happen to be God, so that's no coincidence, but... I'm thankful for what the Holy Spirit can do, and um, we, we, we miss his value sometimes, and we miss what he can do in our lives and what he can provide, and the Holy Spirit is designed to do things that are unnatural, supernatural, if you will. We, we said this in our class that the Holy Spirit combines his super with our natural, and, um, you know, we don't need the Holy Spirit if we're not in the natural. We recognize that, right? The, re- the reason we have the Holy Spirit is because we are natural beings and God needs natural beings in this earth. He cannot accomplish what he wants to do in this planet without you and I. He cannot do it, will not do it. He's chosen not to do it. He mandated it. Ah, man will have dominion in the earth and they will rule and reign. But a... A, a natural, a, a spiritual assignment needs spiritual assistance. I said a spiritual assignment needs spiritual assistance. So when you get in situations that are beyond your natural component and your natural element and your natural ability, that's why you have the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit needs to be depended upon, not tolerated. And we live in a culture where the Holy Spirit is merely tolerated in, in, in the church. And we cannot fully express the power of God on natural ability alone. It's the super coming together with the natural. Pastor Hagen likes to say when the natural and the supernatural come together, they, pro- they provide a mighty force for God. So we need both elements, and this is what the Holy Spirit does. And I'm thankful. You know, even for me, when I was driving down to Madison Monday I uh, to, to be at the hospital, I you know, I, I'm in these scenarios so many times as a pastor where you're like, what, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to say to that? You know, what, what could I possibly provide? And the Holy Spirit comes through every single time. Every single time. 
And he gets all the glory. He gets all the credit. I'm not that smart. I can't put it together like that. I don't have a, a, a playbook in the back of my pocket where I can pull out and reference different scenarios and tragedies in people's lives and be able to pull. You have to rely on the Holy Spirit moment by moment, daily. And I'm, I'm thankful for his work. I'm not going to talk about the Holy Spirit tonight, but just wanted to share that with you. That <laughs> That's free. No, no charge. That one's free. You already titled it. You already titled it. We'll flip the page, save that page for later. We may get there again. Amen. Romans chapter 4, verse 13. We've been talking about faith. We've been talking about faith through challenges and, 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 and faith that is developed. And we, we're looking at this component of faith because faith is a common uh, uh, property, proper element, common element to the believer. I mean, we would all say that to be a Christian, to be a believer, you have to have a life of faith to some capacity uh, because we believe in a God you cannot see. <laughs> Right. And faith is believing in that which you have not yet seen. I I changed how I word that now. I don't say faith is believing in what you cannot see. Faith is believing in what you have not yet seen, because faith believes that what is not seen will eventually become seen. Faith believes that what is not reality will eventually become reality. So I've changed how I say that now. Faith is believing in what has not yet been seen. Because if you truly have faith, it will come to pass. And we see that, that faith has taken a downturn, has gotten a bad rap, so to speak, in a lot of Christian circles. Even the circles that I grew up in, <clears throat> faith became a personal element that would provide you all the wonderful things uh, that help you live you know, a comfortable life, if you will. We want to utilize faith to live a life that, no, that does not require faith, <laughs> right? I want to believe in God that, you know, financially I'm going to be provided for faith-wise, and then I'm not going to have to believe in him anymore because I'm going to have everything that I need. And I'm not saying that God wants you broke at all. God wants you prosperous. God wants you to have enough. God wants you to have enough not just for you but to be able to give away. Are you hearing me now? When God speaks, God's not, God does not financially want us in a position where we have enough to take care of ourselves. He wants us to be overflowing where I, we see someone hurting and say, hey, don't worry about it. I got it. You having trouble paying for your groceries? I got it. Those are, that's the position God wants us in. I'm not going to talk about money. But I'm talking about the proper element of faith and how we, you know, it, we, when we misuse something, then we miss the power thereof. When you abuse something, when you misuse something, then you limit your access to what it can fully provide. Amen. And when I don't know how it works, there are people all across this planet that own iPhones. I learned a new thing this week. Can you believe it? I learned something new. You can send voicemail messages via text. I did not know that. Daryl says, that's right. Like he's, he's smarter than me. He already knew that. His son taught him. Great. My son teaches my parents how to use uh, uh, iPads. You even knew that. I've just never had someone say, hey, can you send me a voicemail? I've just never been placed in the scenario where I needed 
to use it. But look, when you don't know it, what all something provides, then you cannot draw on the potential it has. When you don't know what something provides, and you cannot draw on the potential it has. I can't draw on the power of faith if I don't know the potential for which it is, is, is provided to me for. There's a reason why we have faith. And we've been trying to disconnect faith, which is an inward belief system, from what my external situation looks like. My expectation is not determined by my situation. I said my expectation is not determined by my situation, meaning when I believe God for something, when I am a woman uh, with an issue of blood and I'm pressing in the crowd to receive something from Jesus, regardless of what happens in reality, regardless of what happens in my scenario or my situation. And see, what we do is we, 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 we develop this faith that has an outcome. We said this last, last week, that has an outcome, an expectation of an end result. But you know, all of us, we begin to map out and channel out how we're going to get to that outcome. We start thinking, okay, you know, we, we're believing for healing. And we've heard all these testimonies and all these wonderful ways of how God has healed people. And you can even see in the word of God. And so we start building up. How God's going to do it. And we're asking the wrong questions. Uh, Chase just a couple of weeks ago did a young adult event with the, with the young adults here. And he was talking about how God is only interested in certain questions. And sometimes we're asking the wrong questions. And he's not interested in how. And you can look in his word and he healed several different blind men. And he healed them different ways every time. But we map out in our mind, this is how it's going to happen. And when it doesn't go that course. When you're Jairus and you believe and you stated with your mouth, you said, my daughter is at the point of death, but if you come and lay your hands on her, she will be healed. Let's go there now. Jesus says, okay, we're going. And then there's a, a stop. There's a halt because someone else needs to receive a healing. And then before he makes it to the house, he gets a word. She's dead. Don't even bother the master anymore. Do we still have the same expectation? Or has our situation dictated our expectation? Well, it didn't go the way I planned. And, uh, you know, what, what happens when what seems like a step backwards is really a step forwards? Can we still believe God for the same outcome? So God's not trying to get us fixated on an outcome. He's trying to help us see, have a better outlook. That regardless of what happens, I'm still working. We saw last week with Lazarus. He received word. My, or uh, uh, your, your, your friend, your buddy whom you love, he's at the point of death, but come heal him. And we know he'll be healed. And so he says, okay, I'm staying right here two more days. He doesn't go anywhere. He's hanging out. And then he says, our, our friend Lazarus, he's dead. But before he said all that, he made a statement. This sickness will not end in death. But he died. But if you really believe Jesus' words, then you come to this conclusion. He died, but Jesus said that wouldn't be the end. So therefore, there must be more to the story. Regardless of the external experience, I still have an internal expectation. 
that overrides and overwhelms and is stronger and is more powerful than anything I see on the outside. And my faith is steadfast in that. It's steadfast in that. So faith isn't there to allow us to better ourselves so we can live this comfortable, cushy kingdom life. You're going to be blessed. God's going to take care of you. Every need that you have is going to be taken care of, no doubt. But, but since when did we make church and did we make faith more about us than we did about God? Why do we get, take, why do we get to take something that he created and use it for our benefit rather than his? So we've got to understand the proper placement of faith. Romans chapter 4, verse 13. For the promise... That he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of no effect because the law brings about wrath. For where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, do we have a faith that will outlast us? Do we have a faith that will live beyond us? Or do we have a faith that stops with us? He's saying this thing's going through generations. Abraham wasn't just believing for a child because we've just been so destitute and we've just been so lonely and we've been believing God for a child for so long. And God, we just want to have a family. We want to have a child. Don't you know this is a desire of our heart? No, God is saying, no, no, no. I've got a bigger plan in place. You're going to be blessed as the byproduct of my plan to create a nation of people that are my people. And I'm going to use you to make it happen. And in the process, you're going to get blessed. See, the blessing that God wants to bring to your life is actually for somebody else. You just get to be a part of the process. Amen. You get to be a part of the process. And it gets to influence Beyond you, we asked this question a while back. If God answered your prayer, the thing that you've been on your knees praying to God about, if God answered your prayer, who else besides you would be impacted? Who else would get to receive that blessing? God is trying to get a a bigger picture, if you will, to us. He said this is for all generations. Might be sure to all the seed, not only those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I've made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believes. See, being a father of many nations begins with being a father of one child. It's just the beginning. In the presence of him whom he believed God, who gives life to the dead. And cause those things which do not exist as though they did. Who gives life to the dead and cause those things which do not exist as though they did. What are you calling it? I said, what are you calling it? What are you calling it? What are you declaring with your mouth? Faith has a declaration. Faith has a confession. Faith has a voice. You've got to give voice to your faith. You've got to declare it. You've got to say it. You've got to call it. And I grew up surrounded by name it, claim it, blab it, grab it preachers. I grew up around that, man. 
You don't have to instruct me. They were all over my TV set all day long, every day. But now we have created this, this, this other ditch, so to speak, on the other side where anyone that even communicates something other than what they see is a lunatic. That I can only speak reality. I cannot actually speak what I want it to be. I have to speak what it actually is. Otherwise, I'm crazy. Otherwise, I'm a heretic. Otherwise, I'm a lunatic. Otherwise, you know, they're going to lock me up somewhere. No, you've got to have a voice beyond what you see. Because if you only say what what you see, you'll only see what you see. I said, if you only say what you see, if you speak what is already there, then you're going to get what is already there. You're not your access to what is not yet. Begins by speaking what is not yet. Who calls those things? This is God. This is God who calls those things to be not as though they were. He's calling those things. So what are you calling it? You've got to call it something. God took this so literal that he changed Abram's name to Abraham, which actually means father. He said, you know what? It's not even enough for me to say it. Everyone that calls you by name is going to start calling you father before you're even a father. They're going to start speaking it into your life. We've heard people say, speak life. I want to speak life into this situation. That's not just a, a, a Christianese thing. You can speak life or you can speak death. The Bible tells us, Proverbs eighteen twenty one: death and life are in the power of the tongue. So could it be that what you're seeing is a result of what you're saying? Could it be? Verse 18, who contrary to hope, in hope, believed. That means when the, the situation on the outside did not match his faith on the inside, he continued to remain in faith. And hope is not a wish. Hope is not a dream. In the Bible, God sees hope differently. Hope is a confident expectation. See, we've ruined the word hope today. The American language has totally ruined the word hope. Well, I hope it comes. And usually that is someone just chalking it up with no real assurance. With no real. But the word hope literally means a confident expectation. See, see, we cannot allow our American culture to dumb down the word of god it's robbing us from what god's word has it's happening hope literally means a confident expectation when i say i hope that means it is there i believe it's going to happen i believe it's going to happen hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says now faith is now faith is A lot of us say, is faith now? (laughs) And God is saying, now, now faith is. Now. Who contrary to hope, in hope, believed that he became the father, so that he became the father of many nations. So that. So it's connecting the outcome with his belief system. It's connecting what what he became, father of many nations, connecting that that those words so that 
means that it's connected to what came before that. He had to believe against all odds he had to believe. When it didn't look like it, he had to believe. When it was going year after year after year, we still are not seeing the result that God told us, the result that God declared over us. We're going to continue to stand. I'm going to continue to believe in hope so that he became the father of many nations according to what was what? Spoken. See, God doesn't accomplish anything without first speaking it. The father God is the will, the intent, his desire, his purpose. But Jesus, the son of God, is the word. The will has to become the word. The will in the mind has to become the word in the mouth. So that's why he had a desire to create the earth and a will to put man on this earth. But then he had to speak it out. Let there be light. And what? There was light. And then the Holy Spirit goes and he performs the work. God the Father is the will. Jesus the Son is the word. And the Holy Spirit is the work. He performs the work in your life executing and making it come to pass in your life. That's what the Holy Spirit does. But the will needs a word. Even when he created man, now we know that he formed man out of the dust, but he first spoke, let us create. He's putting words. That's why this right here, your, your, your faith will never arise above your value for this. Your faith will never arise above your value for this. And this is the thing about faith. We don't need more faith. We need developed faith. We don't need more faith. We need developed faith. Saying that I need more faith would be like me saying I need more muscles. No, I don't need more muscles. I just needed to to develop the muscles that I have. Are you hearing me? Everybody in this room has faith. Just like everybody in this room has muscles, but we have all developed them to greater or lesser degrees. And faith can be developed to a greater or lesser degree. I don't need more faith. I need developed faith. That's why he looked at the disciples when when they were all uh, discouraged and and crying out, thought they were going to die in in that storm in the boat. And then he gets up, he says, peace, be still. And he looks at him and says, why are you of little faith? You're, you're, you have faith, but it's in a small amount, and we need to develop. We need to strengthen it. We need to encourage it. We need to build it. Faith can be developed, and faith can be built. Amen. And last week we saw that faith is built upon where you put your focus. Where you give your focus determines where you build your faith. Where you give your focus determines where you build your faith. I would even venture to go this far to say that everybody has faith and strong faith in something. It's not that we don't have any faith. It's just that we have built our faith on something else. And now God is having to bring in his word to counteract what we've already developed our faith in. We've put our faith in other places. And God is saying, no, no, no. Your faith lies here. Your resolve lies here. Your your belief system, your expectation lies here. And so we're having to... uh, I I, I like what uh, Mama Myrna says, starve your doubts and feed your faith. Because what you feed gets stronger and what you starve gets weaker. But I would venture to say that some of us have fed our faith in other arenas, in other areas. We have more faith 
in ibuprofen than we do in God. And we have more faith in the bank and in the credit card than we do in God. You see, this is the thing about faith. Faith does not make something. Faith moves something. Faith does not make something. It moves. God is not up in heaven saying, okay, if they can build up the faith, I'll put together that healing. It's already provided. It's already available. 2,000 years ago, uh, his son Jesus took stripes on his back and made divine healing available to your body, to your physical body. And so he's not up in heaven putting together faith. It's already there. But we need to move it from, from the spirit heavenly realm into this worldly natural realm. I need it to move into my body. I need it to shift. It's already there. God has everything we need. And there's never a shortage of supply. You'll never call on God and he says, it's on back order. Expect it around April 1st, 2018. I've gotten a few of those emails. Trying to buy things to furnish the new building and getting on Amazon. Trust the old Amazon. This is on back order. You can expect it. Okay, that's not going to work. We need to find another source. You never need to find another source. God is the source to end all sources. And he has it, uh, he has it in supply ready to ship. I love to see that. Ready to ship. We'll ship in two days. If you order in the next 30 minutes, you'll receive it in two days. That's what I'm talking about. I like that. In green, big, bold, green letters with a check mark and a clock that's ticking to make me hurry up and make the purchase. Like I know it's going to reset if I go beyond the time. I've learned. But God has everything we need. And so our faith, our faith isn't making something happen. Faith moves something. And God does not move without someone in faith. God will not move without someone in faith. Faith moves God. Faith is the currency by which we make the exchange. Faith is kingdom currency. Some of you may remember when Pastor Earl was here and he talked about the discounted faith. We want a faith sale. We want to go bargain hunting with our faith. God, is this enough faith? And he says, no, no, no. This is the value. This is how much faith you bring that level of faith. And then you receive. It's the current. You're making an exchange. Just like we use a dollar bill to make an exchange to receive an item. We are handing over our faith. And God is saying, here is what you're believing for. Here is what my word says. But you receive it by faith. You receive salvation by faith. You had to start with a little bit in the tank. You had to start with something that says, I believe there is a God, even though I cannot see him. And I believe that he sent his son to die for my sins, that I was born into sin. But his, his son came to, to empower me to live above sin and to place his Holy Spirit back within me so I can leave the kingdom life and rule and reign on the earth. I received it. I make Jesus the Lord of my life. He's now the owner. He calls the shots. He's the one that is in charge. I'm, it's, I, I die so that he can live through me. You do that by faith. You hand over currency of faith and you receive Salvation. This is how faith works. So he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken. So shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith. See there? So we can, we can have faith, but be weak in it. But not being weak in faith. And, and, and we, we answered this question. We, 
we, we said, how do I develop my faith? How do I build my faith? The greatest way to build your muscles is use them. Put yourself in an environment that's challenging and that requires you, makes the demand on your muscles beyond the capacity you've currently been using. Now, here's the thing about capacity is there is a greater potential, which means it's untapped. You haven't realized it yet. If you have the correct trainer in the gym, they will help you untap potential that you didn't even know was there. They'll ask you and say, how much do you think you can lift? I think I could do 25. Okay, here's a 35. What are they trying to do? They're trying to get me beyond what, what, because what you think you can do is just the surface. There's more. And it's the same with our faith. What you think your faith can take on is just the surface. There's more. And if you really want a faith test and if you really want to grow your faith, you've got to put it in in a situation that you think is beyond your ability. And you have the greatest spotter in the universe. He's called the Holy Spirit. And he'll be right there to, to, to as soon as your faith begins to, to draw back, as soon as your faith begins to wane, he's going to be right there to help you pick it up through the rest of the way. And he'll never let you down. You, he will not sleep on you. He won't stand above you and get distracted and look around and let the weight fall in your chest and break every bone in your. I've seen it happen. Not to me, thank God. Pastor Earl, I think, did it one time. Dropped the barbell on his chest. He said for eight weeks, he had a, all he could do was pull-ups. He couldn't do any bench press. The Holy Spirit will spot you. But how do I build my faith? How do I ensure I'm not going to be weak in faith? Use it. Apply it. I I, I just believe we should perpetually be in situations that are beyond our faith. Perpetually. What faith challenge, not battle, not struggle. There is a fight of faith. And ultimately, what Paul is really talking about, if I can just bring some clarity, when he's talking about the fight of faith, he's talking about the fight against the world opposing the, the kingdom of God and, and, and our belief system. That's, that's really, and they were literally in a fight. Like, if I preach tomorrow, there's a good chance I may not make it to the end of the day. There's a good chance they may take me back and just go ahead and take my head off right there. That's a fight of faith. But there is a fight to believing in faith. There is, a, there is a fight. There is a battle. But I like to see it more as a challenge. The opposition is simply an opportunity. See, the devil doesn't know what he's doing. Every time he brings opposition to my life, he doesn't realize it's only making me stronger. He doesn't realize that I'm only coming better out on the other end. He doesn't realize that the victory that I'm about to obtain through this challenge, because I can't have victory without a fight. I can't have a testimony without a test. And he doesn't realize that the test is leading me to a great testimony, and I defeat him by the blood of the land and by the word of my testimony. He doesn't realize that the very thing he's bringing to gets me is the very thing I'm going to use to tear him down. Hello. So I need those challenges. I don't shy away. I don't look for the easy road. I look for ways to develop my faith. And I look for challenges to, that, will, that will bring growth and energize and stimulate my faith so that I can strengthen. He says not being weak in faith. He did not consider his own body already dead. If you want to develop your faith, you have to, you have to disregard what you currently have. 
what you currently see. Not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body. Sometimes we spend more time considering what it is rather than what it can be. I love uh, a minister by the name of Jesse Duplantis. Some of you might be familiar with him. And, and he says, you know, people will say, well, what if it doesn't happen? He'll just respond, well, what if it does? Well, what if you don't make it? But what if I do? It's your choice what you consider. You can consider what happens if you don't make it, or you can consider, well, what am I going to do if I do make it? You consider. That means you think on. That means you set your mind on. That means you're, you're, you're meditating on. He says he did not consider. He didn't sit there and say, how in the world am I going to be the father of many nations? I'm 75 years old. My wife cannot have kids. We've never had kids. He's got the wrong guy. Or you can consider, now, what am I going to look like as a, as a dad at 80 years old? What am I going to name him? I wonder if it's a boy or a girl. You choose what you consider. Did not consider. Did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. So he's not ignoring the facts, but he's choosing not to fixate on the facts. I'm not going to ignore the reality. I'm not going to ignore what the doctor says. I'm not going to ignore what the account says. I'm not going to ignore what's going on in my marriage. I'm not going to ignore this situation, but I'm not going to fixate on it. I'm going to consider what would my marriage look like if it was running 100% whole and healthy right. I wonder what I would do for her. I wonder what we'd be doing Friday night. I wonder what, what, what our family and our household would look like. I wonder what would happen, what it would look like if I had the money in the bank. What would I spend it on? How would I use it? I wonder who I could bless. Consider the other side. Consider the alternative. He did not waver at the promise of God. Strengthening our faith, developing our faith, helps us become stable with the promise of God. You'll find yourself having less and less conversations, well, what if it doesn't? Because you're going to become so fixed and immovable and stable. You won't, wave, you won't be shifty. Uh, uh, James said, let not the double-minded man expect that he would receive anything from the Lord. One day you believe he can, next day he can't. One day he can, next day he can't. And usually, usually those thoughts are motivated by some kind of external stimulus. And faith is not built upon external stimuli. Faith doesn't need a, a something in the natural to, to, to motivate. In fact, when you get in the fight of faith, you get in the challenge of faith, you'll find more things that will demotivate your faith than motivate your faith. And you've got to be fixed. Thank God for the little blessings and thank God for the little words that can come and they can encourage us. Man, I'm, I'm on the right path. I'm doing it. I'm seeing it. It's, it's going to happen. I believe. And, and you just get encouraged and you, have, you go have coffee with that person in there and they just build your faith. It's like, man, I'm so glad I went to have coffee. And thank God for those moments. But even if you have a conversation that goes the other way, you're still, it's going to happen. The encouragement there will, 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 will stimulate you to, to go further. But if, if you're not careful, the good ones will press you on and the bad ones will tear you down. So we can't rely on that. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. So unbelief is, is hindrance to faith. Being in a position of un, unbelief will limit the capacity for my faith. He did not waver at the promise of God through 
unbelief. Wavering is channeled through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. That's a key. Many of us, we wait too long to give glory. We give glory after we see it. And Mark chapter 11, verse 24 says, when you pray, believe that you receive. When you pray, believe that you speak to this mountain and it shall be done, shall be moved, shall be cast. When you pray, believe that you, when you pray, believe. You receive it when you prayed. Now it's just on its way to you. Now I'm waiting for the, the outward show of what I inwardly believe. And being fully convinced, fully convinced, this is so good, that what he had promised, he was able to perform. I'll tell you right now, the key to your faith is getting to know your God. I heard something so powerful. I had to send it to someone. I heard something so powerful this week from a pastor, friend of mine actually, that, that I love listening to. And he said, he said, my, my measure of faith doesn't measure how big my faith is. It measures how big my God is. <laughs> That's why he said, all you need is the faith of a mustard seed. I'm telling you, a key to your faith and the development of your faith is acknowledging who he is. And, and, and he's got a pretty good resume, guys. He's got a pretty good... Got, I mean, there's times I'll look in this word and I'll say, you did it for Moses. You have to do it for me. You're not a respecter of person. I'll make a demand. I'll make a demand. Because that's his word. And I'm not telling him to do something he didn't already say he would do. You did it for David. He faced a literal giant. A real giant that could have killed him. So the giant that's in my life I can face. And I can defeat. You did it for them. You'll do it for me. And therefore, it was accounted to him for righteousness. Father, we thank you tonight that our faith is being challenged. And the challenge of our faith is growing our faith. I thank you that we are creating such a phenomenal development and giving attention to we cannot expect to grow where we do not give attention to it. Father, I thank you that our faith is developing as a result of the attention that we are giving it. And, and, and we will not waver. We will not be up one day down the next. We will be fixed. We'll be immovable. We'll be stable, fully convinced as Abraham was that you are able to perform that which you have promised. And we thank you, Father. Your promise was great and your performance is greater. We thank you that you have not declared anything over our lives that you do halfway or do sometimes, but not all the times. But, Father, we thank you we can stand on your word and we can believe you at your word, take you at your word, and see your word become reality in our lives. Father, we give you glory and we give you praise. I thank you, Father, that because of the investment these individuals made tonight to be here when they could have stayed home, could have gotten ready for tomorrow, could have you know, taken off the day, so to speak. Father, I thank you because they made this investment tonight, their next Thursday and Friday, we in the most powerful days of their week. I thank you that what has happened this past week, it was only going to get better from here. And I thank you they're going to have the best week in Jesus' name. Amen. We love.